it's about nine o'clock. Um, I guess we can start. Um, I usually send out a reminder on the CB review, and I wonder if, if because I didn't send out a reminder, people actually didn't remember. Although I would think by now everybody would know when the group was. So I don't know. Um, so I'm going to just read the, a little information about Lois Levine, and um, then then we can get started. Um, Lois Levine lives in Portland, Oregon. She graduated from Harvard University in 1990 with a degree in history and literature. She received both her master's degree and her Ph.D. in English from UCLA. She's taught English courses at Reed College and UCLA. Her first novel, The Secrets of Mary Bowser, was published in 2002, uh, 2012, and her second novel, Juliet's Nurse, came out in 2014. So why don't we see what everybody thought of the book, and um, if you'd like, you can tell us if there's a character in the story that you found particularly interesting. Well, I like the book. Um, I'm a huge Civil War buff. I've read tons of nonfiction on the Civil War, so it was interesting to read this historical fiction, and as the events took place, it's like, yep, click, 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 click this off in my mind as this event, this event, this event happened. Um, And I know when we been to Richmond, they talk about Crazy Bet um, in some of their historical walks and stuff, so it was interesting to get some background on her, and I found her the most complex character. At times she was likable, at times she was not likable, but I thought she was very realistic in terms of being a product of her times, but also very enlightened. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I thought Bet Van, Bet Van Lu was, was the most uh, fully realized character, I guess, in the story. Um, all the other characters, I, I thought they were either, you know, very good characters or, or kind of bad characters. There weren't that many people that had good aspects and bad aspects to their to their characters. Um, and so I, I, I think she, I mean, I, I think a lot of times Bette Van Lu, she would sort of, you know, she, she thought that um, African-Americans should be entitled to freedom, but I don't think she necessarily thought they should be entitled to the same level of, of freedom and respect as, as white people. And, you know, sometimes she, you would sort of see that come out in the story. Um, and another thing, I guess, that I wondered was about if Mary's parents had made the, the correct decision. You know, they decided that... Um, that Mary should be educated in, in Philadelphia and that her mother, Minerva, was going to stay in Virginia and because of um, the laws at the time, she was only allowed to be a free black person who lived in Virginia for a year and then she could be enslaved again and I guess sent wherever they wanted to send her. So she had to make believe that she was a slave um, even though she had, had her, her papers and Mary when she was walking around Philadelphia. And that was a very interesting part of the story, too, because you saw how different black people lived at that time. But Mary also always had to carry her papers around with her, you know, to show that she was a a free black woman. So there there were a lot of interesting, like Sherry was saying, there were a lot of interesting historical things in the story. Yeah, I also liked the book and admired the scholarship in the book. I also agree with you that... um, some of the characters seemed, you know, very uh, either very, very good or kind of villainous. Um, I 
think that I started the book and I thought, okay, I haven't read a lot about the Civil War, so I really appreciate this because it looks like you're somebody who did a wonderful job of research. And um, I think that uh, I more reacted to some of the historical events, uh, the characters I did react to, but I think the things that stand in my mind were some of the things that I hadn't thought about about the Civil War. For example, um, one thing that struck me since I love to read is that someone could be beaten for teaching a slave to read. And um, I'm interested, I was interested in learning that um, later in the Civil War, uh, some of the soldiers, the Union soldiers, were so, you know, so, um, you know, they had, you know, they were so tired of the war that they were turning on black people in, in uh, up, you know, in New York, I think it was. Uh, just to take out their frustrations on them. So uh, it was interesting also to think that um, it hasn't been that long since the Civil War has been over. And when I think of some of the African Americans that I know, um, I, you know, the book did a very good job of talking about um, the way people were restricted. And I, th I think now I can see the legacy of some of the impact it might have on um, even someone, you know, in their 30s or 40s if they had relatives who were um, slaves. And um, for myself, I think now I can see the, um, you know, my dad was German, okay? And for a while I thought, oh, I don't have any effects of, you know, of that, of my dad having been born in Germany. But I think now that um, I wonder what percentage of the people walking around now actually have um, people in their family tree that were slaves, and what an interesting thing that would be to um, just to think about as part of your background. Yeah, I mean, there's there's certainly a lot of um, studies and, and all kinds of things that, that talk about the, the effect even to today about slavery on you know on on the American society. Um, and you saw a little bit, I thought, of this in the book. I thought that when she was in Philadelphia and they had that women's anti-slavery club where they were making the little, you know, handcrafted items, um, I thought that was that was really kind of interesting because you saw that they wanted to raise money, but they weren't they wouldn't use the money to actually buy slaves. They wanted the slave owners to recognize the errors of their wave and ways and just free the slaves, which seems a little naive to me. And they were also against the violence that was promoted by uh, John Brown. So I, I thought it was interesting that you saw that, you know, the different ways that, that people lived, um, how the, the black people, some of the black families in um, Philadelphia, they were just really concerned about... Um, you know, raising themselves up, and, and, and they were kind of snooty, like there was that girl, Philippa, who attended Mary's school, and then her cousin, Theodore, who Mary dated, and then Theodore's mother and aunt, they were, you know, kind of snobby. So I think sometimes when we think about the Civil War, we don't think of, of black people um, living that way. We just assume everybody was a slave, but I thought that was one of the best impressions that I had of this book was that you saw the different ways that black people lived, um, you know, at that time in the Civil War in the different states. Yes, and I did read an interview with the author talking about how, um, as opposed to a book like Gone with the Wind and many others, I haven't read that much about the Civil War, this was uh, slavery in an urban setting, and, and um, that was really interesting. The book 
in some ways I felt I'm really going to read it again because I thought it did a very good job of um, filling in details about uh, you know the way the life was lived at the time, and um, I thought most of the emotions people seemed to have were very plausible, um, and it would be an interesting class I think if I were teaching a class to have the Gone with the Wind book and which is very engaging and emotional. And then uh, this book, which is much more grounded in his history, uh, I think. And um, that would just be an interesting contrast, uh, I think. I know Gone with the Wind has been criticized from being all from the white point of view. So it would be a certainly, I think, maybe an interesting contrast. And um, Sherry, if you have any books that I could read that would be interesting about the history of the Civil War. Oh, yeah, I could... Uh, it depends on how long you want them because uh, Shelby Foote has a really excellent trilogy, but it, it's three books and they're long. But he's very folksy in his writing styles and things. Um, one thing, a other interesting book is um, Frederick Douglass, who is the black guy who used to be a slave and he became a prominent abolitionist in the North. He was extremely articulate and um, well-spoken. He traveled to England to speak about slavery, ran a newspaper, uh, he has an excellent autobiography that is also on um, Bard that I've read. I think he has several versions of his autobiography. But one interesting thing about him is that he did not support John Brown because he could see the writing on the wall that, you know, his sentiments were in the right place, his heart was in the right place, but this was never going to work, that blacks were not going to rise up and join him and defeat the South, and it was a doomed plan right from the start, which, of course, it did end up being. And one other thing that I found that made me cringe a little was she had a little speech somewhere in there about how the war was about states' rights, not slavery. You won't find too many historians that will say that, because if you look at the Articles of Confederation of the various states when they seceded, they mentioned slavery as being the reason. They mentioned the abolitionists and how they want to preserve their way of life, etc., etc. States' rights is not mentioned. And in fact, it's not widely mentioned until after the war, the writings after the war. So I didn't, that kind of made me cringe a little bit. But everything else I thought was was quite well researched and quite good. And certainly the state's right thing is, you know, what they probably still teach in school too. So she's certainly um, not the only one that's spouted that kind of stuff. Well, you know, uh, one thing I wanted, a little trivia here on John Brown was that, uh, Remember Howe of Howe Press in the School for the Blind? He he was an abolitionist, and he supported uh, uh, John Brown and almost got in a little bit of trouble. In fact, a number of his friends had to leave the country because uh, Jeff uh, Robert E. Lee was after him for, for their support. They were in a lot of trouble, but he got out. I don't know how he got out of it, but I read it. I think it was in American Heritage magazine or somewhere like that. I read that, but um, I I enjoyed the book tremendously. There is another book I was going to use on the history group. I never did. I got a couple interviews. It's called Slaves in the Family, and it's by a, a fellow who uh, who's inherit his ancestors owned slaves in a very large plantation, and uh, he he went back and contacted the. Survivor or the descendants of the slaves and got together with him and everything and uh, kind of and uh, his the account he got of their lives and how nice they were treated didn't quite correlate with the 
slaves themselves whose families were split up occasionally and other things that didn't happen so well. But uh, that's – I can get the name of that book, but uh, there's a lot of books on the Civil War. Did you all guess that her friend Hattie Jones's father was part of the Underground Railroad? He was the one who was the undertaker. Were you surprised, or did you did you guess that that was going to be part of the story also? I figured they'd throw the Underground Railroad in there somewhere, um, but I didn't think about him doing that until it came up in the book. They, they really, she really brought that up as kind of a surprise. I thought that that was very well done. They, yeah. Uh, because that was very interesting how that came out. It was interesting, too, how they used code in the prison. And, again, if you go to Richmond and, and take any of the historic tours, they, they talk about that code and how people would bring the prisoners thing, books and they would encode things. And that was just really smart and a good way to, to handle that. And it was also – it's just so hard to conceive nowadays in our present state of mind that they wouldn't have suspected the slaves of being spies instead of the Davises just being, you know, just assuming the slaves were so ignorant that they couldn't possibly carry something like that off. Yeah, that was really interesting. But I thought that made a lot of sense because I think that, unfortunately, white people didn't see black people as, as their equal or as smart or and whatever, and they just saw them that they were there to serve them. So you saw in the beginning of the book that Mary had this, you know, photographic memory. She could just remember everything that was being said. Um, and that was really wonderful um, that she was able to, you know, put this, this skill to, to use, and, and I worried about her. Um, another thing that I wondered is, did you think, did you like the romance elements of the story, the, the romance that she had with Theodore and then her husband, Wilson Bowser, or did you think that it was like too much going on in the story? I didn't really mind the romance too much, although it certainly wasn't my favorite part. Um, I noticed, Leela, you've joined. Um, we've just been talking about what we think of the book, and uh, uh, we haven't, we're just kind of going around, so go for it. Let's hear what you think. I actually loved this book. Oh, man, it was very hard when I was writing back and forth with you, Sherry, not to tell you what I thought of the book, but oh, my goodness, I absolutely loved this book. Um, I like the romance, um, and actually... I had a feeling that when I first, when we first met Theodore, that how that one would end. I did not think she would marry him. I didn't think she'd stay with him. I thought it would go further than it did, and I'm glad it didn't. But um, the Wilson Bow- uh, Bowser, I, I it's funny. I wasn't sure who she would marry because there was a David or Busto Bowser or whatever his name was, and then there was a Wilson, and so I'm like, okay, so who's she gonna who's she gonna be with? And oh my gosh, I really admired Mary. I mean, she truly thought things out very well. She was great at code. Um, oh, what was that? Um, oh, what was that? What was her mistress's name? Um, that she was an interesting character. Um, I don't know what I thought of her. Sometimes I wanted to strangle her. Sometimes I really liked her. I can't remember her name now, though. Her name was Bet, 
And did we ever find out what happened to Theodore, um, Mary's first boyfriend? And I noticed that Donna's joined us. So, Donna, if you want to let us know what you think. Uh, thank you, Sherry. Um, I, I just got here, <laughs> and uh, so, of course, I, I don't know what was said already. But um, in answer to your question, no, we never found out what happened to Theodore as far as I can remember. I thoroughly enjoyed this book. I, I found the character of Beth. Um, a little bit hard to believe at times, but um, as we found out from the notes at the end of the book, she was in fact a real person. She died in 1900. I was really impressed by Lois Levine's writing style, and I want to say that one thing that she just brought home to me in a way that never happened before was the degradation of being a slave. I mean, just that uh, sometimes... Jeff uh, Jefferson Davis's wife would get in a rage for virtually no reason at all, and she'd slap her slaves. And to have a, a smart young woman, educated woman like Mary, working in that house as a slave for a woman who was nowhere a, her equal as far as, as just in, in kindness and, and education and in, in every way was... A, Mary, that is, was superior to a queen, whatever they called her. Um, but Lois was able to really, in a way that no author has before, just bring about the, the at least make me realize, the degradation of being a slave. I, I thought it was a wonderful book, and um, I had no idea about the education that some uh, African-American women received in, in Philadelphia. That was all uh, new to me, and I found it very interesting. Yes, it was, she, she really, I thought, you know, brought home a lot of the different experiences that, that black people had at that time. I was not aware of what was going on in Philadelphia and all the different ways that that black people were living um and i really when i finished the book i mean i really didn't know if mary's parents had made the correct decision i I really didn't exactly for the reason that donna was saying because even though bet van lu and the van lu family didn't treat their slaves the the same way that, that you know they were treated in the confederate white house i mean they were still slaves and I can't imagine. I mean, I, I really honestly can't imagine what it'd be like to get your freedom and to to stay and make believe that you were still a slave like Mary's, Perry's mother did. Um, that would have been some decision, actually, to, to make. And even, you know, Mary, and I think she made the right decision leaving her parents, but, it, you know, it, it really it showed you, even under the best kind of slave experience that there's still a, a lot of separation and there were there were a lot of things like Mary couldn't really come back um, to to because of the law she wouldn't be allowed to be in live in Virginia because they could enslave her after a year so there were really even under the best circumstances of slavery which is hard to even say the best circumstances it was it was really pretty terrible and I, I still didn't know really when I finished the book if, if Mary's mother had made the the right decision um, I think she thought she did um, and she really wanted to stay with um, her husband and um, but it was a would have been quite a decision to have to make actually I like that aspect of it too she really brought home all the small degradations that made you realize 
just how bad things were. And Frederick Douglass in his writing talks about how slavery, even when you're treated extremely well, it's, it's still miserable because you could be sold at any time. If you were a woman, you could be taken by any white man who, who wanted you. You really, even under the best of circumstances, there's this, this feeling that everybody thinks you're, you're nothing but dirt. And that is pervasive no matter how well you're treated. Um, one thing that I wondered what you guys thought is this book also brought home the point of it's not always as simple as people just freeing their slaves. I mean, Bet did the responsible thing by financially helping Mary, but um, Thomas Jefferson used that as an excuse not to free his slaves. He said if he freed them, they wouldn't know how to fend for themselves. And in some ways, that's correct if you just turn them loose without any financial assistance and no land and no livelihood. But that is a cop-out, obviously, and obviously a lot of blacks would have been able to fend for themselves. But it is more complicated than just simply turning people free. You know, George Washington provided for – he emancipated his slaves when he died. His not, he didn't, his wife wouldn't let him do it for hers, but uh, he provided for them. Uh, so the book says, I don't know how he did, but uh, – and Jefferson could have too, except he was always in poor financial status. Yeah, Washington did. Um, the joke was that Colonial Williamsburg, when you go there, is that Washington freed his slaves upon the death of both him and his wife. And since he died first, here you have his poor wife sitting around knowing that all these slaves are going to be free when she dies. That can't give you a very good sense of security. But he did provide for them. And yeah, Jefferson could have done that. Jefferson was a real hypocritic scumbag, in my opinion, in many ways. Well, also we, we saw... Um how Mary had to learn to trust white people, which was not that easy to do. I mean, there was the the man that was helping with the Underground Railroad. And if you remember that scene where they had to make believe that they were having like a romantic rendezvous because these other men came, um, and also the um, the Quaker women at the... Um, the anti-slavery club and and just you know all along it, it was really interesting because I, I you know a lot of times when we read history books it's hard to imagine what is the day-to-day like like of a particular person and here we got to follow mary through her life and her all her different experiences and you know she went on her own what was she like 12 or something when she went to to philadelphia and she really, even though she was helped financially by Bette Van Lu, she was, you know, on her own at a, at a pretty young age. And, and she had to really fend for herself in a lot of ways. And we saw all the different people that she came in contact with and how she had to, you know, see if she could trust them or not trust them. So it was, it was really very interesting. I know this was um, about Mary's life, but I really wish that we had gone into a little bit more of where the other slaves went when um, when they were freed and how they got along, although, you know, it would have made the story longer, I know that. But I, I just was curious about that. And I also thought, I actually, I actually kind of cried when um, her father died in that horrid, horrid way. I knew he was going to die, but I did not know that he would die like that. That was really sad. And... You know, thank God for Bet because she was there by his side. But it's just that's just so so sad. And um, I was going to say something else, but I can't remember. 
Yeah, it was, you know, he, he had like a, you know, he, he was um, a blacksmith and he was so valued by the white owner, Timothy Mahone. But then you saw, even though he had worked for him for years and years and years, he just didn't care. Like, he just wanted to get rid of him. And it was it was really, it was, you know, it was really kind of heartbreaking to see because um, they were such a nice, good parents, good people. And, and it was really very heartbreaking to see, you know, how little value... Um, that he had um and I, I did like the scene where wilson helped um you know set up where he was living and he dug him like a, a fireplace and and all that kind of stuff which was because he was you could just picture him like freezing to death in this poor you know uninsulated little shack so she did a good job of sort of bringing you into you know the the way that these people were living yes that was very um kind of horrifying I, you brought up earlier, Michelle, did they make the right decision? Um, but I don't see where they had many choices. Uh, it was always, it was almost a no-win situation. I mean, if um, Mary had possibly looked ahead and saw that her father would be conscript, conscripted and taken into the military, um, maybe at all costs it would have been best just to keep the family together and for them to go even if he had to be a runaway slave, up to Pennsylvania and the mother to come. I mean, the mother died and, you know, then the father passed away. And, but, I, but I think that's what made it so tough. The, de- the deck was really stacked against um, her making a decision. And it, it was very heartbreaking and, um, to see that. And I think that, uh, you know, she has a Ph.D. in history and a Ph.D. in literature. I'm sure, I had the feeling that things, many things like this happened. And um, so anyway, yeah, that was very, very sad. I wanted to mention about um, the woman that um, Mary boarded with when she first uh, came to Philadelphia. I, I don't recall her name right now, but um, I didn't quite realize when I read the passage the first time when they talk about uh, the mattress and how the landlord landlady is, is bragging about this mattress. And then when... Mary sits on it. She sees that, you know, it's all slanted to one side and it's very uncomfortable and she has a hard time even staying on it. And I thought at first that um, that the woman was, you know, was being deceitful, that, that she she knew that, well, let me put it this way, that, that she, uh, you know, the quarters that she had for Mary were were not very good, and I, I thought that maybe she had misrepresented it as being something better than it was. And then when I reread it, and also I think Mary came to realize also at a point in the book that this really was the best that this woman had. And I think that mattress was a big deal to her that, that she had her daughter sleeping on because she really was very impressed by Mary's education. Her daughter, understandably, was very hostile and, and resentful because of the life that she lived working from the time she was a young child and then to have Mary come in and be allowed to go to school every day. So so her hostility is, is understandable. But again, I... I I just, um, you know, I'm so glad that I I had a change of heart about the woman when I realized that she really was giving Mary the best that she had to offer. 
she wasn't being cheap or she didn't misrepresent what she had. She really thought that, that it was good. Well, I think there weren't that many options for where Mary could actually board. Um, and also, I, I, it was very interesting, you know, seeing how, and I, of course I can't remember their name, the mother and the daughter, how they lived, and then you would contrast it against these little, you know, handcrafted items that they were making at the fairs to sell for money that people like uh, Philippa and, and, and all those kind of people were making. So it, it really showed you all the different ways. And I think that the way that the woman who had the, the boarding house, the boarding room, lived, I'm sure, was much more typical um, because, you know, you did the best that you could. And I think you're right. I think when we first met her, we all thought, oh, she's really not nice. But then we saw she was, like, really hurt when, when she asked Mary to sit and sew with her and Mary didn't want to sit and sew with her. So those, the, you know, the characters, some of them, as, as we said before, some of them seemed really, really good, and some of them seemed really, you know, not so nice. But then other characters, we saw different parts of their personality, and I think she was one of those characters. I think the thing I liked was the way Mary grew. For instance, with the whole, when she didn't sit in so with her, she... Her, she had a conscience. You, you could tell she had a conscience. Also, I really felt bad for Mary when she, what was it, she thought she could teach the mother and the daughter to read. And, and she really did it with her heart, not thinking, oh, I'm better than them, so I'm going to teach them this. She really did it with her heart. And I think that the mother saw that, but the daughter, of course, like you said, understandably, but I really, really felt bad for Mary, because I think we all do that to a point, at least, okay, I'll speak for myself, I know I have, you know, said, oh, I'm going to do this, and with my heart, I really want to do it, and you kind of get knocked down a peg or two when you really, you know, you give the gift, and it's like not accepted the way you you want it to be, and then you think about it later. You think, well, I guess I should have thought that through more. But, you know, but you do it with your heart. So I kind of really felt bad for Mary. But, again, that was that helped her grow, I think. And she, she really did grow a lot. And like you said, Michelle, she had to learn to trust other white people. She had to trust that guy. I, I, me... I mean, if someone said, I'm wanting you, I would have, I'd have thrown something at him, too. It's just the way he phrased it, you know? And so I, I don't blame her for what she, but he handled it very well. And then the Quaker lady, I don't remember what she did, but Mary basically walked out and she came after her. And, and the, Quaker, the, the Quaker lady actually handled Mary very well. And because of that, again, Mary was able to grow and build trust for those who she could build trust with. Yeah, she dumped the Quakers because she went to their church and was treated badly and made to sit in the back. So she assumed they were all hypocrites, and she learned that her friend in the sewing circle was not a hypocrite. So that was interesting, too. Just like the white people in a book thought all the blacks were the same, here's Mary thinking that all the Quakers are the same. And like you said, she grew and learned differently. Yeah, I was just going to say a point I forgot earlier. I think the reason this was such a terribly difficult choice uh, for Mary to go by herself, even when possibly her mother could have gone and her father 
possibly could have even gone, and maybe it would have preserved their lives. But I think when you think of the um, landlady and you think of the, the you know, circumstances that would meet them up there for employment, it was just, um, you just didn't know if it was going to be better for them up north or worse for them up north. And um, that really came home to me. Well, I don't know about the rest of you, but when she first met Theodore and they met at the library and they were discussing poetry, I thought he was, you know, going to be like this sweet, sensitive guy. And then he kind of turned into sort of a snob. And I, I was, I guess I didn't, I didn't see that coming. Like with Wilson, um, he just seemed to be a, a straight forth kind of a guy from the beginning and you knew that he was a good guy and with Theodore I thought he was going to be a good guy you know and then he just seemed to be you know he he was like it was interesting to me to hear him say something like don't tell people that your parents are slaves because I I, I guess you just didn't expect to I I didn't expect to hear that actually Um, you know it was like they were he was saying you know be ashamed of the fact of of who your parents are and Mary of course would never be ashamed of of her parents so that was was very surprising to me to read in the story did anybody did it I didn't remember how Theodore's family got their money because they had an awful lot of it uh, for uh, Afro-Americans at that time and I just wondered where they made their money yeah, I wondered that, too. I should Google that name, because that name sounded familiar to me when I read it, but I, I couldn't remember anything about it. It would be interesting to know, because you didn't see people quite at that level of wealth. I think Michelle said this earlier, but I, I love the Philadelphia part, just learning about the different attitudes people had, the different classes of blacks there. They had some people that didn't like Uncle Tom's Cabin, for instance, and I thought that was very interesting, and that was something that hasn't been written about extensively, so it was just really interesting. I'm pretty sure that they made their money from catering, which I thought was kind of interesting. I I remember, I don't know if it was Philippa or somebody, or maybe it wasn't Philippa, it was her friend Hattie from the school was saying that um, that family, there was a cook, I think, and they made their money catering, which I... I didn't really think that you could make that kind of money catering because they seem to have, like, boatloads of money. But I'm pretty sure it was from the catering business. Uh, He was going around like he was one of the Roosevelts or somebody. You know, he had a lot of money. Another thing I noticed, when I visited the uh, Confederate White House in uh, um, Richmond, they they said that one of uh, Jeff Davis's children – was killed he fell off a balcony there and that wasn't in the book at all it would have been a very traumatic event but i noticed they didn't put that in unless i misremembered the the facts yeah it was in there it just was mentioned kind of briefly but uh somebody shrieked and and yeah she did find him dead there he had fallen off i remember seeing that when we toured there too they show you where he fell yeah i remember that part it was in there it was very very sad um you know Sherry, you you make a good point. Um, Usually when I read books like this, it's always from the south, of course, Virginia and, um, uh, yeah, Richmond, Virginia and stuff like that. I've never, it was interesting, like you said, to see what people in Philadelphia, 
you know, thought or how they felt. And it was very interesting to see some negative neg- negativity, if you will, about Uncle Tom's Cabin. Because all I have heard, of course, is raving reviews about it. I have never read it, actually. Um, I it's a book I've meant to read, but read, but I have not. I know. Well, you know, I might have, and it was a long, long, long time ago. Because now I remember thinking. I remember. I have an image of me holding it in my hand in Braille, but I don't remember reading it. Well, I feel somewhat justified um, when I, I believe it was Mary expressed her dislike for Uncle Tom's Cabin because I attempted to read it in high school, and I remember it was in several very thick Braille volumes, and I just could not get into it. Something about the, you know, the book just just repelled me. Uh, I, I repulsed me, I guess. I, I just couldn't get into it. So, But I found it very interesting to read all about Philadelphia. And how sad, really, that there was so much um, uh, dislike, I guess, between the classes of black people in Philadelphia. I mean, you really had your, your upper-class people who felt superior to to blacks who would even might be considered middle class at that time. And I thought that was very sad, you know, rather than having people stick together. But I think they wanted so much to disassociate themselves so that they could feel superior and maybe a little bit more like white people so that, you know, at least in their minds, maybe they'd be more accepting, accepted if, if, they had, if they had the money. You know, my uh, sight-saving teacher... Seth thought that that book was that Uncle Tom's Cabin was too controversial, and this was this was in the West Coast in San Mateo, and I, they were San Francisco, so that was kind of kind of funny. But I read the life of Harriet Beecher Stowe was a book, and it was kind of interesting. Well, I mean, if you think about all the adjustments, also that Mary had to make. I mean, she went from living in Virginia, where although there were free black people, they weren't allowed to stay in the state very long, so almost everybody she met who was black, I'm sure, was a slave, and then she would go to Philadelphia, and she was able to walk into a store, and it wasn't like they were going to serve all the white people first, and she had to be the last one served, they would just treat her like any other customer, so as Sherry mentioned, it it was probably quite a shock when she went to the Quaker uh, church, and they said, well, you know, you have to go sit in the back, and whatever, um, but just all the adjustments that she had to make really is quite, you know, it's it's really, I, you know, you could feel for her. And I think she did a good job of, of letting us feel the way that Mary would feel, sort of feeling her way through societies and through, and through life and all the different things that she had to negotiate because it really was different ways of life, you know, in, in, in Philadelphia as compared to uh, in Richmond. The part about the slave pens was so horrible, too, just the way the author described it. Um, and it. And someone mentioned before about the awful way in which Mary's father lived, especially after, um, after he lost his cabin. She just, with the words, you know, they say one picture is worth a thousand words, and I, I truly believe that. So when an author is able to... You, you, 
paint a, a picture through words of how reprehensible something is or how just how un- unbearable. I, I really admire that because it's, it's not an easy thing to do. I, I read a lot of books about the, the Holocaust years ago because I just could not believe man's cruelty to man. And it, one, one time I, I read a book and uh, written by a, a, a doctor, I believe, who was involved in the liberation of one of the camps. And he described the people as being so emaciated that they didn't have the strength to stand up and they walked around on all fours like dogs. And that, just, just that brief description, it, I mean, it was worth more as far as just presenting me with the horror of everything uh, than all the books I had read. Just, just that one sentence. And, and I felt so, uh, you know, similarly disgusted when I read about the, the uh, slave pens that Mary had to walk past and how she'd hear the, the sounds, the crying and the screaming and, and the noise coming from the pens. It was, Lois is, is quite, a, quite a gifted writer. Well, also, when you thought about the way that they were transporting uh, people from the Underground Railroad, they had to lie in a coffin. That was, I had a hard time with that, I have to say. I, I, I mean, you obviously want to want to escape, and they had the, the very young girl who I think killed her, her slave owner because he was, you know, taking advantage of her. Um, but that was really that was that was a, 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 a difficult sort of image for me to to imagine. Um, and there's actually a couple of books on Bard which I have to read one day. One is called um, Liar Tempter Liar Temptress Soldier Spy by Karen Abbott. It's a pretty recent book, and it talks about four different women who took part in the Civil War. And the spy one actually is about uh, Elizabeth Van Lu, Bet Van Lu, who was a, a real character, um, a real person, as, as we've mentioned. And there's another book, which Sherry told me about, which is also on Bard, which I think is called something like Southern Lady Yankee Spy, which is totally about Elizabeth Van Lu. So one day I think I'm going to try to read them and just see how different Bette Van Lu is in this story as compared to the, the nonfiction um, uh, uh, books about her. I thought it was so kind of funny, and you, you just kind of want to shake Bette. You don't have to call me mistress anymore. It's like, uh, yeah, I do. You're not thinking straight. Yeah, there were a lot of little conversations between Mary and Bette, and that was an interesting relationship that really grew throughout the book because by the end of the book they were treating each other as friends, whereas in the beginning Mary was still a bit intimidated and deferential towards Bette, but not by the end of the book. That, that was really a nice thing to see. Yeah, I mean, you did think about all those things because if you lived in Philadelphia and you were a white person, would you think of black people as as the same as you? I, I just don't, I don't know, actually, at that time. I mean, I didn't think that you would in the South, and I think Bette Van Lu, she would try to, she would sort of catch herself. You know, she would, you know, she'd say, well, I'm calling you Mary, but you have to call me Miss Bette. Um, and she would realize what what she was doing, and it, you know, I gave her credit for at least realizing the way she was. But it, it did make you think about really the way that that people lived 
at at this time in all the different places and um and i i don't know it was it was it was interesting well there was that store owner in philadelphia that refused to serve mary or something because theodore went back later and and uh, took away the guy's business his father owned the building or something like that and of course like jenny mentioned earlier you had the new york draft riots where lots of blacks were killed as a result of uh, Lincoln um, instituting the draft and the um, Emancipation Proclamation. I thought Mary's reaction to Theodore, um, Theodore's having the uh, man's business taken away from him, her reaction showed compassion because one would think that she might have been happy about that. Uh, but she, she felt bad. She said um, that uh, the store owner and his daughter were probably out in the cold now like so many so many blacks so she really showed that she she did have a heart which uh certainly crossed the color line and i I just wanted to also mention that with mary's mother um minerva i i really i really believed as a character that she really believed that her religion um was was I, I I don't know supporting her or I, I'm not even sure what the right word was, but you really had a really strong sense that that she got a lot of, out of her her faith, um, and she was always telling Mary that you know that there was a plan for her, that there was a reason why she had these these skills and whatever, and I really believed that it gave her. Um, what she needed and a lot of times when I read books and they have a religious element in them I don't always believe that the religious element is is true but I really did believe in this story I I really had a really strong sense that the religion her religious faith was really helping her sustain everything that she that she had to deal with in her life I agree with that Uh, especially you're right during the troubled times He's like, okay, like when she was kind of stagnant, if you will. I'm not doing anything. I'm not doing anything. I need to do something. Jesus said he, or Mama said Jesus has a plan for me. So what is the plan, you know? And she would go back to that, and she got far. I mean, she, I really thought she would get caught, but she did not. She almost died in that fire in her house at the last day, but she didn't get caught, and that was a good thing. This is I, I think you see this theme a lot in books about slaves. Um, I thought about the religious element as well. Um, under that kind of duress, I think sometimes it um, you know the, the faith your faith gets stronger and you have to look beyond um, your circumstances. And I think that um, you know Minerva had a lot of empathy and a lot of uh, you know, kind of forgiveness for a lot of people, but but still, they knew that certain actions had to be taken. But the the religious faith, uh, yeah, it comes up again and again in these books. Um, well, I think Jill just joined us, so I don't know if you've if you've read the book, but um, if you have, if you had any comments, we, we'd love to hear them. I have to tell you, I spent all this time fighting with my computer, which is getting to be an old story. Uh, yes, I did read the book, and of course. My comments aren't going to be too appropriate, I don't think, because um, I haven't heard what everybody else has said. 
I, I like the book. I, I learned a lot that I didn't know. The, my only negative comment is that for some reason, I, I didn't really care all that much. You know, on the like the kitchen house, I really cared. And I, I was interested, but it was kind of like reading historical fiction that I enjoyed, but I didn't really get that concerned about the people, and I don't know whether that was just me at the time I was reading or whether maybe the author was to blame. So that's my only negative comment. I, I like the material in the book a lot. Well, I think that we were, we were saying that a lot of the characters in the story weren't really fully fleshed out characters, that they didn't have like good sides and bad sides to them. There was some characters like Bette Van Lu that we, we did see that, but characters like Mary and her parents and Wilson were, were good characters, um, and we didn't see a lot of, 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 of bad you know, un, un things about them. But we were also saying that we really liked the viewpoint about all the different ways that black people lived at this time, that you saw all the different ways that people were living in Philadelphia, that there wasn't just one view of, of how black people were living. So I, I understand what you're saying, Jill, because I think that sometimes um, if characters don't feel fully rounded to you, it's, it's hard to, to feel something for them. But I think in this case, I think Mary's story, for me at least, was really compelling because she left home at such a young age she was sent out to the world. She had to learn to fend for herself and negotiate amongst white people, amongst black people. Um, so there, there was a feeling that you, you know, you were going along on this journey with her as well. Would you guys have liked to have seen a different ending or a longer epilogue or whatever? Because I, I would have liked more detail on what happened to a lot of the people. And one character we haven't mentioned is that. I want to say MacGyver, but I know that's not right. McGiven or something, the Scottish white guy that Mary also had to learn to trust that um, did a lot of good work but was sort of a curmudgeonly type. Oh, McNiven. Yeah, he was fun. I did not know what to think of that one for a bit. But after, of course, a while, I did like him. Yes, I would have liked... um, the epilogue to be a bit longer to to find out maybe what happened a little bit in their lives a little bit even if it was a you know Marion Wilson had three children or something you know um, but yeah he the McNiven he was you know he got caught a couple of times but you know it, that part kind of reminded me of Schindler's List if if anybody's ever read or seen that um, where. And I don't, uh, yeah, Schindler would, uh, you know, he had to literally kick um, this couple out of their apartment or whatever it's called. And I remember him laying on the bed and just like, oh, it's so nice. And that, McNiven kind of reminded me of him in that he had to kind of sacrifice some for the good of the many. Yes, that, that's exactly what I thought. There was that one time that Mary saw him, and, and he, was, he was exactly, he was sacrificing somebody. And he had to, and it, it made sense when you heard it, but, you know, you were still appalled because, because they, these, were, 
these were people that, that were being sacrificed. So he was, um, and actually I liked her accent for him, Martha Harmon Pardee, because it would just, you know, she, some of the accents I have to say I didn't think were that great, but that one I think she was pretty effective actually in the story. Well, Jill, we'll give you the last word if there's anything else you want to say. Some other themes we've talked about is how we liked Mary's growth in the book, um, her relationship with Bette in particular, and we liked the fact that she ended up with Wilson and not Theodore. And we thought it was interesting, the different class differences with blacks in Philadelphia. And um, if you have nothing else to add, then I'll come back and we'll talk about next month's book. I really don't. Uh, I think I've said, you know, I uh, I was really glad we read the book. I mean, it was material that I didn't know. And yes, I did. I was interested, too, in the different classes <laughs> in, in Philadelphia. I mean, it reminded you of white people, didn't it? Well, Jill, did you feel that, uh, like, all, all the historical events and everything, did you feel that they were well integrated into the story? The only thing that I thought maybe she kind of threw in, although I liked it, was the Underground Railroad, where her friend Hattie's father was the undertaker. Um, but she talked about a lot of things, like um, Uncle Tom's Cabin, you know, she was talking about, and... Um, the Fugitive Slave Act, and, and I thought, you know, sometimes I, I felt a little bit like we were getting a history lesson, too, which isn't a bad thing, because I think sometimes, you know, we know what it is, but we may not exactly remember. So did you find there was like a historical fact overload, or it all kind of worked well within the story? No, I thought it worked well within the story. Uh, it's just that we know so much of this material, you, you know, but it was kind of nice. She sort of put it together for us, and... Um, you know, because we've all known about the the uh, underground, you know, the railroad, all of that kind of stuff. Uh, but I thought she did a good job. And, and, of course, because I really like historical fiction, that didn't bother me at all. Yeah, I thought that one of the finest things about the book was the scope of the book. It wasn't, um, you know, limited. It was, it talked about uh, sociology of the blacks in Philadelphia. It talked about, you know, the underground, the abolition movement. It talked a little bit about feminism. Um, It talked about, it gave, and then it threw in stuff like you said, Michelle, about um, the the John Brown, um, the failed slave insurrection. And it kind of gave you the whole scope. Some of that stuff was a little too sketchy for me. Um, But it gave me the kind of scope and breadth of it, and I'm going to follow up on some questions that I have in my mind about that she raised in the book. But I think I agree with Jill slightly in that, of course, I felt I felt really um, that I could identify with Mary um, or see things through her eyes, but I felt a little bit distanced from the, some of the characters in the book. Okay, well, we had a really good discussion, and I'm going to turn it over to Sherry. I just wanted to mention, she's going to tell you about our next book, but um, the author of the next book, um, the, the book that Sherry's going to tell you about, she she used, she's actually, the book that we're going to be reading is a book that she published under her real name, but she's also published a couple of recent books, and I don't know if any of you ha- have read them, under the name of Kate Alcott. Um, one of them is The Dressmaker, 
Um, another one is the Daring Ladies of Lowell. There might even be another one after that. So if you, if you come across Kate Alcott, it's actually the same author that, that we're going to be reading as well. So I just wanted to mention that. Sorry about that. Um, okay, I put the uh, title, author, and book number up in the chat window, which you can use F9 to get if you want to cut and paste. But our book for July 14th is going to be Harriet and Isabella, and the Harriet of the title is Harriet Beecher Stowe. But this is not a book about slavery. This is a book about Harriet Beecher Stowe and her half-sister Isabella and their relationship, specifically their estrangement when um, their brother, Henry Ward Beecher, who was a famous preacher, he was sued for, um, I don't know what they called it back then, but basically he was accused of having an adulterous affair with someone's wife, and the guy sued him um, in court. And it was a huge, big case at the time. And Isabella tended to think he might be guilty, and Harriet have stood by him um, no matter what. And so it's a family drama, but it's also historical fiction. Um, there's also, um, Isabella was apparently involved in the early feminist movement, and there's a feminist in the book called Victoria Woodhull, who I had never heard of. And so there's some stuff about her in the book, too. The book is about 12 hours long. And again, it's called Harriet and Isabella, and it's by Patricia O'Brien, and that's O apostrophe B R I E N. And the DB number, which I was trying to get with Jaws, uh, is 68708. 68708. Harriet and Isabella by Patricia O'Brien, and that's O'Brien with a B R I E N. Well, I don't know much about Victoria Woodhull, but I, I'm pretty sure that she was the first woman who ever ran for president of the United States, and I, I'm pretty sure that she was the first woman who was ever on the New York Stock Exchange. So she's like a very accomplished woman that we, we don't ever hear anything about. And the author of this book, Patricia O'Brien, I was reading a little bit about her, and she's also an amazingly accomplished woman. She's like a journalist. She was involved with... Um, I think she was the campaign man, not the campaign, the press secretary, I think, for Michael Dukakis when he ran for president. Um, she's been a teacher. She's written books. Uh, she's, she's done, like, a ton, a ton of things. So we'll, I'll tell you about her next month. But it's, I think it sounds like there's a lot of interesting female characters in, in this book, um, which will be great. You guys picked some amazingly interesting books. I can't wait to read this. Well, there's not a lot about Victoria Woodhull in this book because, for instance, the running for president or the stock exchange are not in here. So I didn't know that. That's really interesting to know. And Henry we- Henry Ward Beecher is also a main character in here. And I- I've certainly heard that name so much that it was interesting to kind of see this this side of things and read about this trial, which I knew nothing about before the book. Well, I just want to thank everybody. I thought we had a really terrific discussion, and it sounds like everybody liked the book, which I'm very happy to hear. Um, and um, it, it was great. You know, thank you. You all gave such wonderful, thoughtful comments, and and Sherry and I really appreciated um, that that you, you know, take the time to read the books and to think about the books, and and it's it's really been a very good experience. And th- thank you for coming this evening. Well, good night, everybody, and I second what Michelle said. We really appreciate you guys coming, and this was a really interesting discussion. Good night, Sherry.